friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. It's really good to have you with me today. Today's podcast episode is an interview with Sim Dendy. He's written a book called Simply Church, and I want to talk to him about church. Church doesn't always feel like a life-giving place for so many of us. Church often can feel hard work. Do we really need to be a part of a community to be a Christian? Can't we, can't we just be a Christian and not go to something? Can we not learn about our faith, worship Jesus in our home, maybe pray with a few people in our house and that's it? Like well, That's enough. Surely we don't have to be a part of something else. But Jesus says, doesn't he, Peter, I want you to go and build my church. What did Jesus mean when he said church? What do we have now? It's what we have now, what Jesus meant 2,000 years ago. So that's what we're going to explore in this episode today. So I hope you find this really interesting. Now, Sim Dendy is a church leader. He's been a church leader for many years. He's a good friend of mine on the Spring Harvest Planning Group. He wrote a book with me a few years ago on discipleship. There's a group of us who wrote a book called Only the Brave. It's a study guide on the book of James. He's a great guy, and I hope you enjoy listening to him as much as I do. So friends, here we go. Interview with Sim Dendy on do I really need to go to church to be a Christian? Sim, welcome to Making Disciples, the podcast. It's so good to have you with me. How are you doing? Yeah, doing well, thank you, Chris. Good to be with you and uh, looking forward to having a conversation together. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about church. And it's not only because you've written a book called Simply Church, uh, which is fantastic, by the way. I really loved it. Really, really, really well written. So easy to read. I loved it. Felt good as well. The page quality was really nice. That's (laughs) That's important to you. Yeah. yeah, Well, well, we're tactile things, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, We are. I feel like a real book. I want to to ask you about church. I want to jump in because you're a church leader. I want to be honest with you and say, why should we really go to church? Because if we're completely honest, many of us, it just doesn't always feel like it connects. It doesn't always do what I want it to do or need it to do in my life. Life's very busy. Why? Why should I be a part of a church? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think sometimes as church leaders, we get sidetracked by the church conversation rather than the faith conversation. And faith is much more important than church. But if you want your faith to grow, get into church. And so your relationship with Jesus is always more important than your relationship with your vicar or your priest or whatever works for you, your connect group leaders. But, you know, for me, that psalm says those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. They will grow strong like the the cedars. And it's like that kind of idea. When When you're in a community of other believers, that's when you grow strong in your faith. Yes, sometimes it's hard work. Sometimes it's difficult. Maybe there's a bit of iron sharpening iron going on there, a little bit of edges getting knocked off. And that's good for all of us, including us as leaders. We need to be surrounded by people who ask difficult questions. And church, and I think generally community is a God design. It's designed to bring the best out of each one of us. We are better together. I'm absolutely convinced we are better together. We don't always enjoy it, but the best things in life are often being created through teams of people working together, finding new ways, having conversation, dialogue, discussion, and creating new possibilities community and faith together that's church yeah well can i flip it round then and yep. so that sounds lovely i love what you said there but <laughs> do i do i have to really go to a church to have my faith 
flourish. Surely there's other ways that I can invest in that. You know, I can listen to good podcasts like this. I can go to YouTube. I can even now go and surf 20 churches on a Sunday that are now live streaming their services. Do I, do I really need to be part of something or can I just be a part of a global something? Yeah, I think that's, a, that's actually a really great question for right now. I think we would have said yes a few months ago, going to and being part of something. I think there's a whole load of new ways of doing church online right now, which I think is quite actually really exciting. You know, I'm at an age where I'm not what they call a digital native. I wasn't brought up with the internet. Um, I, I remember it being invented. Uh, my kids don't. My kids think that the internet's always been there for them. And so they live in a very different online space than I would do. And so the idea of them being fully connected into a church community online, I don't think is actually impossible. But I would question people who say, oh, I've, I, I go to church and I watch a, pod, I watch a, you know, a TV show of a church. I think, are you actually part of a community or are you just, are you a stalker? Are you just watching? Are you just the picking and choosing the bits that you like? And that's not church. Church isn't even about going to church. We used to say church is more than going. And now I would say church is more than just watching. You can't go to church. You can't watch church. You have to be part of a church. It's being part of a family, a community. It's being vulnerable and honest and real and accountable. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's messy. You know, but as somebody famously said, what is it's messy in the nursery, but that's where the life is. And it's nice and tidy in the graveyard, but that's where death is. And so if you want to be connected to a place of life and life giving uh, community, I think there needs more than just an observation of church online or just watching the world go by. Even dare I say, Chris, listening to a podcast, it's got to be more than that. For me, it's about engagement, connection, building community, which comes through dialogue and interaction. Yeah, we have a, a congregation on a Tuesday night called Believers in Recovery. It's church for those in recovery. So it's, it's, it's more church than a recovery meeting. And it's more recovery than a normal church meeting. And um, I love it. They always stand up. The first thing they say is, hi, my name is Chris and I'm a believer. Uh, it's wonderful. And during lockdown, they'd been doing it on Zoom. And so many of that crew congregation were like it's just not it's not church not church so i was like well what you know what is it you're missing that makes it church and they said um service one of the key things about being in recovery is if you join a recovery meeting you pick up what's called a service your service might be at the end uh, you do the bins or at the end you do the chairs or you come early you put on the coffee and the expectation is in an na meeting aa meeting uh, whatever Gamblers Anonymous, you pick up a service. And that means that you are playing your part in everybody else's recovery as well. Yeah. And that's what they said was missing during lockdown. You can't, I can't sit on my sofa and do a service. I and I love that because in reality, the washing of feet yeah. is, is what brings, it's not just the teaching, which you can get through a screen, but it's the community life lived together. Uh, where it's the washing of feet. And it's, it's all of that, isn't it, that makes church? I think that's a beautiful analogy. I think that's a lovely concept because you know, if, you, if you come to my house as my guest, we'll look after you, we'll provide for you, we'll make you sit at the table, head of the table. We don't expect you to do anything. But if you're part of my family, I, I, I want you to be part of things. I want you to take your turn washing up, making food, cleaning your bedroom. Or, you know, and if you know me well and you're good friends, you can come around the house and help make food and be part of the family. And that is such a much stronger relationship than if we are all 
uh, just visiting and just guests. And I think that's what, like I said, Jesus was, was putting that forward as an example that he set himself and he went first, he served, he washed feet, as you mentioned. And I think that's a delightful image. I love that image. Thank you so much for sharing that. Wonderful. So where did we go wrong? Where have we gone wrong? Jesus says to Peter, <laughs> I love that. Go! Yeah. Yeah. To start my church. Yeah. Yeah. What did Jesus mean and where did we go wrong? Where we went wrong is, is this is, it's like Chinese whispers. So you know that lovely children's game, you start with, you tell a story or a sentence, and it goes around the circle and it comes back completely different to how it began. And normally because one cheeky little lad has changed it on purpose is what kind of happens. And for me, that's the story of the Christian faith. You and I are here having this conversation because we have a lineage of, of, of history where people have, have disciples have told disciples have told disciples have told disciples, going back to the original 12. We're part of the OG. We just go back a long, long way and we're connected. But on that, on that process, on that history, people have just started to adapt and adjust. And some of that quite rightly to the needs of the time, but we've lost the purpose of what is church. And so one of the reasons I wrote Simply Church wasn't I think the church is bad or wrong. I think the church is, I love the church. It's meant to be the bride of Christ. Mm. But it, we just kind of sometimes we forget that we're not meant to copy other churches. We're meant to copy the original. We're meant to come under the banner of Jesus Christ, not under the banner of a man's idea. And normally it is a man, dare I say, than a woman. A man's idea of, of what church should look like. And then we all sort of recreate and then we adjust and recreate. And throughout centuries, we've kept on redoing church. And I love the Andy Stanley quote. He says, you know, as a church, we must always stay married to our mission, but mildly infatuated with our style. And I think that's a lovely kind of thought that goes, we, we must remember, we're just here for a season to caretake the church, to curate the church for a season. But we must always point to the source, to God himself. And the best way to do that is looking at the original church in Acts chapter 2 and how that began and saying, right, have we drifted? Because the natural thing of, of humankind is we drift. We drift towards self-comfort. We go away from the original mission. And, you know, when we start, when we're like a, a pioneering church, we're new, or we're a new business, we're a new startup, we're all excited. The vision is all over the whiteboards, and we've got this big plan, and we've got all the logos tight, and everyone knows the, the, the rules. And then another generation comes by, and it adjusts, it adjusts, and it adjusts. And before you know it, you go, why, why are we doing this now? And, and we've forgotten, because it, it, everything's changed. There's this lovely story about this, this woman who, um, every Christmas, um, she would make the turkey and she'd chop the legs off the turkey, chuck them in the pan and put them into the oven every Christmas. And one day her daughter said to her, mum, why do you take the legs off the turkey? She said, I don't know. My mum always did that. I'll ask her. So she goes to grandma and said, grandma, why do you chop the legs off the turkey before Christmas dinner and put them in the pan? And grandma said, well, that's obvious. When I was younger, our oven was really small. So we couldn't fit the turkey in the oven. So we used to chop the legs off to fit it into the oven. And for three generations, they did exactly the same thing because the oven was plenty big enough, but now they just became the norm. That's what they did. And I think we do that within church, not with a bad intention. I think we do what we do today with really good intention. I think the churches are good people trying to do a good job in tough times. But sometimes we just, we just divert or we just drift. And it's a small, small thing. Um, NASA talks about deviation of normalization. We just deviate. And normal just slightly goes off a degree or two, and then you're a mile off course after a few miles. 
Mm. So note to self, don't cut legs off turkey. <laughs> well, uh, if you're having uh, small, Chris. Well, no, it's, I'm, I've, been, I've been thinking recently, it's on a slightly different topic, but around um, Victorian morals and how much of our discipleship is based around Victorian morals. I had somebody recently say to me, oh, you know, of course, Christians, of course, Chris, Christians shouldn't smoke. And I was like, well, where does it say that in the Bible? I'm not saying they should or should not. I'm like, where does it say it in the Bible? And there's so much of, of what we're about that, particularly my tribe, are the Anglicans. Uh, I love my tribe, but we are often trapped in a Victorian version of life. And yeah. then we wonder why it doesn't connect with people. And then we go, well, it connects with this group over here, but yeah, but they're all slightly culturally stunted, as yeah. well, to be honest. Uh, they wouldn't have a, a clue what was on Radio 1 right now. Or, um, so there is a problem that we get stuck, isn't there? We get trapped in an era that, that yeah. then doesn't connect now. I don't know, and I love my tribe. I'm in the more sort of, you know, I suppose evangelical charismatic wing of the church that some people would call it the new church, which is starting in the 70s as a kind of a reaction to some of the denominational church. I'm not sure it's still new, but sometimes that church can be arrogant because it's young and sometimes it's a bit middle class. It wants to fix everybody. And so some of our strengths are also our weaknesses when they go too far. Mm. And, and I think some of those Victorian ideals, they were good intentions. They just go a bit far and suddenly the rules become more important than the ruler. And that's the challenge for all of us, I think, as Christians. We suddenly start fighting for our particular style rather than our saviour. Mm. And I want us to get back to pointing to Jesus because we're meant to be the bride of Christ, being beautiful for him, not being to try to impress others, trying to you know, wow others with our knowledge or, you know, aren't I clever? That's pharisaical. I've completed all the rules. Um, I, I, you know, I am behind closed doors. I am a terrible father or terrible husband or terrible person. But when I'm standing in the pulpit, I am perfect. Mm. That's not the thing we should be living for. Where is, where is the reality? Um, where is, I think people want more than ever is authenticity. Mm. Where are the authentic Christians? And I don't think the Bible says much about some of the things you mentioned, like smoking or addictions. I think because actually it's more interesting in our heart and our attitude than it is in our behavior. The behavior is our outworking of our attitude. The attitude is where it starts. You know, it, it starts with our devotion. Who are we devoted to? What are we giving our attention to? And if we're giving our attention to the right things, then the right behaviours will follow. Mm. Bad behaviours come from giving our attention to the wrong things. Love that. In the book, you talk about the hallmarks of the church. And I think I love that. You know, what, what are the foundational pieces of what church is really about? Uh, do you want to walk us through those? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm quite a logical person. I like order. Um, not even would believe that's actually true. I do. I prefer a sense of, of plan and order. And so when I was studying for this book, Simply Church, I went back to the original because I think you've got to be, I, you know, it's a bit like when you copy a painting. You don't want to copy a, a copy of a copy. You want to go back to the original and, and paint the original. And so I went back to the original and said, what does Acts 2 talk about? And these hallmarks, it's only in five verses but you can pull out from Acts 2, 42 to 47, some really distinct things there. You know, the fact that they, they gathered together regularly, they, they recognized and valued the, the teaching of the apostles, the fact that they were, they were generous and shared everything they had, that they ate together. They did community in very real ways. I love the fact as well that they ate together with joy. They didn't just eat together and say, oh, so-and-so's come around tonight. They were like, we're looking forward to it. And in fact, when, when Jesus you know, talks about his, he would be looking forward, hospitality is looking forward to having people come and join me, not a sense of kind of like, oh, obligation. 
And, and I love some of those kind of those hallmarks. And so I just listed those out in the book and just said, these are really important to us. And, and I think we've lost some of that, not just in our church community, but I think in our society generally. And, and part of that is, you know, yes, it was a, you know, a, a different era. You know, it was 2000 years ago, living in a very different climate. People lived in sort of communal areas. People's houses had no windows or doors. You could go in and out and you cook together, eat together. Um, outside on roofs it was very much more a communal uh, concept but I think some of those values are still essential today and when they are missing in church when we are no longer praying or, or seeing the miraculous uh, or, or, or valuing leadership and, and, and uh, the word of God I think those things we start the cracks start to appear and so I would I would raise a flag and say get those hallmarks back in place um, they're important I would say they're essential that the challenge is that as a church leader, um, there'll always be something to be tidied up and sorted. You know, yeah. you might have just got your, your prayer life as a, as a church all under control, but then you haven't done communion in six months. Or you may go, we've done the gathering thing really well. We're great at gathering. We're great at getting people together, building community. But you realize your generous giving is just fallen away. And so it is an impossible task. It is a, a five verses of perfect church. That every church I know looks at those verses and goes, oh, if only my church was like that. And that's the beauty of leadership. We're, we're leading a community of people, of human beings who make mistakes. And as leaders, we are also human. And our job is to keep on going, right, let's get ourselves back on track again. Let's reread scripture. What does it say? How can we apply that to our reality of today? What are we short on? What can we make adjustments with? And, it, it, and it's a non-stop. I don't think there's such a thing as a perfect church. It's like there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. It's a, a process. We're becoming more like Christ. And our churches should become more like the church, the bride of Christ, that God is wanting to come back to. Uh, and, it, and it's a commitment. I've made a commitment of giving my life to this, and it will be something I'm going to keep on doing, keep on doing. I'll never get it right, but I won't give up on the best we can because I want the bride of Christ to be as beautiful as it possibly can be, ready and willing to go. I want to ask a a difficult question about middle class church now i can be judgmental because i live in i live in um, east london tower blocks amazing it's a lot um i've been joking there but uh, in the book you talk about sharing wealth and you talk about it's fascinating that every household on your street has a lawnmower yeah. and as i was re- when i was reading that um we have a church facebook page and on it people are always putting oh i've just met this lady on the road she doesn't have this has anybody got and somebody actually put on there, uh, does anybody have a little lawnmower I can cut the grass outside my house? And a couple of people, oh, I've got this, I've got that. And, and, and Facebook for us is this place of sharing what people have and we need this. Does anybody know who's got that? Um, and I think in our kind of neighborhood, it works partly because we aren't, not everybody's got space for a lawnmower. Not everybody's got space for a car. Not everybody's got space for storing of lots of DVDs and things. In the suburbs, the middle-class suburbs, where we've got more space, uh, we've got more storage, we've got more disposable income, uh, is it harder to be that generous church in that space? Yeah, I, I think this is a, a battle we have as Christians in a, in a Western consumer culture, is you know we get sold this idea of everyone should have all these things, that, that you know, to be successful is to have more stuff. 
and the advertising, the marketing and the branding. Our economy works on us buying things. That's how it works. If we stop buying, the system, as we've seen in COVID season, things start to fall apart. And so we need people to keep on buying stuff. And so this middle class kind of let's have a, a garage full of stuff we never use, a shed full of junk. You know, I love the fact that in our, in our town, they've built this new housing estate, which has got tiny, tiny sheds and no storage space. What's happening? All these storage depots are popping up everywhere because suddenly everyone goes, well, where am I going to keep my skiing gear that I use every five years? Where's that going to go? I mean, what's that about? And, and but my comment in the book is true, is we don't need all this stuff. We could share it. And it's more like, it's my stuff. What if they break it? What if they don't bring it back? And, and, and our Facebook group, I mean, sometimes we do get that. People do. But I mean, just this week, someone said, has anyone got a carpet cleaner I can borrow? You know, type of thing. But I think often it's used, our group is often used for like, I've got excess stuff. I want to sort of get away so I can buy some new stuff. Anyone want my old leftovers type of thing? So I think people are generous in different ways. And our church have been incredibly generous over this last season. Uh, the giving towards our, our food bank, uh, which we run, and, and the contributions both of food and of finances blow my mind. And not just from our church community, but from our middle-class community we serve here in, in Romsey, that we've had people from the town who just come and said, I don't know how to help, but can I give you some money? And we've been blown away. And, and yeah, yeah, wealth and generosity are an interesting thing because I don't think, as I said earlier, I don't think God's too worried about the, the, the behaviour. I think it's more about the attitude. And I don't think God minds us having stuff. It's just when the stuff controls us. And, and I think it's about, are we, are we living open-handed with what we've got? Mm. And as a church, we should be setting example. We should be not just loving people with our words, but loving them with our, our you know, let's, let's, we've, got, we've got food in the fridge. We've got, you know, stuff in the garage. If you need it, help yourself. And that does happen. But it's a truly, it's an issue that the, the, you know, the Englishman houses, castle type of concept is, is, is more profound in a middle-class setting where you have big fences and, you know, garages and lockups and things rather than, you know, you're on the street, you see people as they leave their house and coming and going. Um, so it's a different challenge, but I'm still committed to being a, a sharing community. Absolutely. Hey, you just mentioned COVID just in the last few moments. Um, what has changed in the life of the church? What would you sense more change happening? What do you think the church will look like in the years to come off the back of the pandemic? You know, I've looked back over church history, as you probably have done, lots of study, and there's been significant shifts in the life of the church throughout its history. You know, you think about the printing press 500 years ago, which was radical at the time. Suddenly everyone could have a Bible rather than just a select few handwritten versions. You know, the, the invention of the Roman road helped the early church, you know, scatter around the nations. And I think for me, this is a significant shift. I think we've all, as, as churches, often had access to a website, but we've never really utilised the power of the internet, the power of that you and I can have this conversation while we are, I don't know, 70 miles apart, and we can feel connected without being in the same room. Mm. I think the church has got an opportunity to rediscover itself and utilise and leverage some of these tools available to us. I think with, if you are full of faith and opportunity, this is an incredible moment for the church. It's a chance for the gospel to be spread further than ever before. And, and, and yes, it could be misused and it could be abused. But you know what? As, as Paul says in Philippians, you know, if they're using the name of Jesus, then so be it. It's being shared. 
And yeah, we're going to have some people putting some crazy stuff out on the internet, I'm sure. And I'm sure we've got some churches already saying things and doing things online that maybe we go, really? But the truth is, we've got opportunity to tell the story of God over and over again in the public space and in the online space. It's an exciting opportunity for the church. It's challenging. I mean, as a church leader, I've spent 40 plus years all my life, every Sunday, going to a building, standing with a crowd of people singing songs. Uh, as a church leader for the last 20 plus years, if you give me a microphone, a band and a crowd of people, I'm happy. Suddenly I'm speaking to cameras and wondering, is anybody actually listening? It's a very different world we're living in. But I do think if we can, if we can hold on to this, we'll come away from this with a stronger core and a greater reach than ever before. Fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that and spending a bit of time with me. Uh, the book, uh, Simply Church, uh, I know you're writing another little bit to add into this. When, when will the second edition appear? Yeah, they're just working on making it nice and tactile for you, Chris. Um, they are putting in a little bit extra. Two colour options are coming through, apparently. Um, but yeah, the idea is to kind of recognise how do you weather the storm? So yes, COVID is realise it as churches how do we make sure we're robust how do we ensure that we don't just because church is not easy as i mentioned before and this season is not easy but you know what the church has been through challenges over and over again for centuries and we will come through this stronger than ever before we may have lost a bit on the way we may have had to lose a bit of excess baggage that might not be a bad thing um, but we're going to come through this storm stronger and so i wrote a chapter just to add into that to say how do we as churches and church leaders uh, manage and negotiate and navigate the storm with Jesus in the boat. Hey, I can't more highly recommend it. I think particularly for anybody who's thinking about leading a church, this is definitely, definitely a must read. If you're a young leader thinking about what church could look like, you know, somebody yeah. who maybe is dreaming about church leadership in the years. Or, or if you're frustrated by the church, there's a yeah. very fine line between frustration and leadership. Yeah. If you're frustrated, don't be frustrated start leading turn the frustration into vision but that could be someone who might enjoy that book so thank you uh, if people want to find you and track you down how can they do that do you have an instagram twitter yeah my instagram twitter handles are so boring my kids laugh at me it's just sim dendy at sim dendy on all those platforms and you'll find me i'd love to hook up and to talk more with others thanks so much have a great day grace and peace <laughs>